Well, good morning. So, uh, wow. What a week, right? We uh, started just a week ago in this place on fire, and it was just a whole week of God moving mightily throughout the week. I mean, what a great time of celebration last week, was it not? Amen. Yeah, we had, uh, I mean, packed to the packed to the gills, but we had people responding like crazy. You know, by the end of it, we had 43 people accept Christ. Uh, yeah, amen. Amen. That's, uh, that includes both uh, services here on Sunday as well as high school on Sunday night and junior high. There were uh, kids in each one of those as well. So just a really cool time throughout the week as God unleashed himself in this place. And uh, what a great time of worship as we celebrate him. Hey, we're in a series called Awestruck, uh, apparently well-named. You know what I mean? God's moving big, and I can't tell you the buzz that was going on this last week as we refer back to a God who has stunned us with who he is. And and just with the simple message of the gospel, how lives can be transformed for eternity and uh, awestruck. So we're going to be walking through the book of Isaiah. We're just going to be grabbing some passages each week. And uh, in each passage, we're going to be looking at this awesome God. This great God that we need to be worshiping and celebrating. And and who is he? And what do I need to know about him? And what do I need to be reminded about him? Because yes, I've heard that before and I stopped living like I've heard that before. You know what I mean? And uh, so Lord, help me be awestruck by my king. All right, that's where we're headed over the series here. And that's going to go through the end of the year. So today we're looking at God's holiness. We're looking at God's holiness Hey, awestruck over God's holiness. This is not this response. It's not like, oh, Oh, that's interesting. That is not awestruck. All right. Awestruck. It's like, whoa, are you kidding me? And and, and I can't even believe that. And, And hang on, I don't want to move on from the topic. And awestruck. All right. We need to be awestruck. Over God's holiness, not finding it interesting. That's great if you find it interesting, find it so much more. All right? Awestruck. Let's be awestruck by His holiness this morning in awe of His holiness. So turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in your hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they will get one to you. All right? Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Just keep your hand raised, they'll get a Bible to you. In awe of his holiness. Hey, what does it look like to really be in awe of him and respond to his holiness? Point number one, true awe results in passionate worship. True awe results in passionate worship. So we're just going to start here in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Yeah. So you just responded the same way that everybody else does when you read the passage, right? It's black and white. You're like, blah, 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 saw the Lord. It's the Bible. Okay, fine. But here's the deal. He saw the Lord. Are you kidding me? Like he was able to fix his eyes upon the throne and the throne room and it stunned him for the rest of his life. He saw the Lord. This is one of those where we need to respond. Whoa. Like, try it with me. Ready? Give it one, two, three. Whoa. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. That's good volume. So get ready. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Oh, that was much weaker. All right, hang on. Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now we're talking. All right. And uh, so this is Isaiah and he's just recording a few things going on. Well, what's the deal with Uzziah? What's going on with that? And so, hey, turn with me back, if you will, if you want to, to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. I'm just going to read a few verses out of Second Chronicles. This is describing Uzziah. Hey, this is a king who was a king over Judah. He was a good guy. And, and for like almost 50 years, he led well. Second Chronicles 26, 16. But when he, Uzziah, was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of the incense. This is a job for only the priests. Everybody just say, only the priests. That's what we're talking about. Verse 17, he stepped way beyond his own measure. But Azariah, the priest, went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. 80 priests. Not one, not five or 10 or 50 or 75 or 79. 80 priests gathered together and said, not on my watch. Do not mess with the holiness of God. Eighty priests go in, men of valor. God was happy that they would stand up for him that way. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the son of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Now I have to tell you, if you notice at this point in the passage, God has not intervened. God has not done anything. Uzziah has a chance to follow direction. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. He had the responsibility of responding and he did not. And in that moment where he welled up with self, he was challenged and he had the chance to back down. And instead he got angry and defiant and he continued forward and and leprosy broke out on his forehead right then and there. Do not mess with the holiness of God. And can you imagine what that moment was like when uh, leprosy breaks out on his forehead? Imagine 80 priests all standing around. They're like, no, dude. And all of a sudden you see their eyes get like as big as saucers. Oh my word. And now they're pointing. Do you see something different with his forehead? I think I see something. And then he's like, what? What? You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you can feel something different happening on your forehead. And now he's beginning to panic and everybody's realizing that God is moving. It says, uh, and they rushed him quick, rushed him out quickly. And I love this part. And he himself hurried out to go out. Do you think? Like, what else is going to happen? Time to listen up. And uh, so Uzziah got out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, lived in a separate house. For he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household. 
governing the people of the land. He lost his kingship. He lost his pride. He lost his health. He lost it all in one moment when he got proud because of what was going on around him. And we are fragile human beings, aren't we? And uh, how quickly we lose sight of the fact that it is just not about us. It is all about my king. And Lord, may I lift you up. May I celebrate you as God in my life. King Uzziah, he died a leper, separated. And why? Well, because he went into the presence of the Lord and demanded to do it his way. Now put it in perspective. In the year that King Uzziah died, you know, that guy who threw himself into the presence of the Lord and paid the price. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Wow. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Way to go. You were with me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Wow. And it also begs the question, are you Okay. Like that doesn't usually go well for people when they look upon the face of God in some way. Are you all right? And and what happened? And so he's got a story. Um, Have you ever had to be the eyewitness of something? And and somebody's like, well, how many people were there? And you're like, I don't know. Or, oh, oh, you met so-and-so? Wasn't she just, didn't she look beautiful with that dress on? She had a dress on? You know what I mean? Like you can't remember anything. Our daughter, Alyssa, has this impeccable memory. She can pull anything out. John and I, we both say, don't ever call on us as eyewitnesses. Lord, please don't let anybody have anything bad happen to us them while we're around. Because we're going to be like, I don't know. He was kind of like this tall and like this big. I don't know. We're just not that observant, right? And well, what would be the things you would write down if you were in the presence of God Almighty? What stunned Isaiah to be recording this, what did the Holy Spirit stir him to record as a witness? This is what stirred him. Three things. He was in the presence of the Lord and he saw him sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. All right? So, so what he saw was, yes, God Almighty, sitting on a throne. And, and, and not just on a throne, but high and lifted up. We have a king who rules. We have a God who's in charge. We have a God who has everything in hand. And, and so he's on the throne, meaning in hand, and ruling right then and there. High and lifted up, meaning every single king everywhere in the universe reports to him. He's king of kings. And Lord of Lords. That's who he met. That's who he saw. High and lifted up on this throne. And his robe, like this backside of his robe, the train filled the temple. Filled the temple. It's an indication of, well, a couple of things. Uh, Number one, regal. Like he is absolutely king. Huge train upon his robe. It indicates that he above all others, but more than just regal, uh, wealthy. Did you know that God is wealthy? Yeah, like he owns everything. Did you know that? That's the way we need to consider it. God owns it all. We're just managers. 
He, he loans it to us for a season to take care of his things. And Lord, may I be wise as a manager of your stuff. God, absolutely wealthy, absolutely in charge. That's what this robe filling the temple implied. There was no room for anybody else almost because his robe and himself filled it all. God leading, the Almighty leading. And, and you know, actually, if you go forward to uh, John chapter 12, verse 41, and you don't have to turn there, but it actually tells us, uh, hey, you know this Jesus you're looking at? This is the Lord that Isaiah was speaking of. Like, this is Jesus Christ on the throne. And, and him ruling and him reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. God Almighty. Nobody more powerful. Nobody more authoritative. Our King ruling over all. You saw the Lord sitting on a throne, ruler, high and lifted up. Ruler over all rulers, train of his robe filling the temple. He had unparalleled authority and incomparable wealth. He was glorious. He was awesome. It stunned him as he stared upon his king. But you know, he wasn't the only one worshiping. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Uh, this word in the Hebrew means burning ones or fiery ones. It means uh, angels who had the responsibility of protecting God's holiness. And, and their job was with their fiery nature and their fiery being to be fired up about him. And uh, each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Like, it's not even right for me to look upon you. I'm not worthy of your glory. And so blocking the face to say, you're awesome, Lord. I stand in your presence and I bask in your glory, but I do not look upon you. And two covered the face, two covered the feet. And, and why that? You know, in Jewish culture, the feet were viewed as uh, filthy. They'd put on sandals and walk around in dirt all day. You know what I'm saying? And so they would clean off their feet. But whenever you were in the sight or the presence of dignitaries, you would cover your feet and make sure you didn't show them. To them. And in the Middle Eastern territory, still, you don't show the sole of your foot to anyone, right? The foot is viewed as kind of that dirtier piece. It's a carryover from way back, but, but it's about, Lord, let me show you respect as a dignitary. You're in charge of my life and you're in charge in this world. So two covered their face, two covered their feet, and with two he flew. Well, that's practical, right? And, uh, and one called to another. Corporate worship going on. And one called to another. And you know, there's three parts to this call that's going on. This corporate worship. Uh, three things that they were trying to make clear. Uh, they were trying to make clear his nature. Uh, his name. And his dominion. His nature, his name, and his dominion. And so they cried out to one another. Uh, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, his nature. Holy, holy, holy. And remember in the Hebrew, whenever it's repeated three times, that means like the epitome of uh, no greater example than this. Uh, holy, holy, holy. He is set apart. He is other. There is no one like him. This is our king. Holy, 
holy, holy. Pure, pure, pure. Righteous, righteous, righteous. Other, other, other. That's our God. Uh, Is the Lord of hosts. Now notice it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. All caps, right? So for those of you who've been with us for a while, you know, that that means that uh, he used the personal name of God, Yahweh, all right? The I am. And uh, so when you see it all capped in the Old Testament, they're trying to tell you a unique name of God used here. Uh, the I am of the hosts, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In fact, if you look back at verse one, see, it says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And that's little O, little R, little D. That word there is Adonai. It means ruler. I saw the ruler, but in this part, it's I saw the I am his personal name. It means the one who is uh, from eternity past to eternity future in existence. He he depends on no one. He alone rules and exists just because he is the I am. That's our God. May we celebrate the I am. And then in this case, the I am of the hosts, meaning the angelic hosts all report to him. Uh, They're his And he's got a statement to make about who they are and where they go. So uh, the nature and then the name and then the last piece is dominion. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth. Question, uh, how often do you think of the earth and think of it as glorious? And how often do you think of the earth and think of it as broken? Uh, Messed up. Uh, Lots of sin and lots of pain. And yeah, there's pretty moments, but I'm telling you that earth, man, it's got a lot of fixing up to have, right? And be careful. One thing we have to learn from this passage is that God's glory is in every little nuance of what goes on. Hey, Romans chapter one tells us that if you just look upon the earth, the creation around you, it should be clear of God and of parts of his character, You should be able to grasp who he is in part, in general. We call it general revelation. And and God's glory revealed to us. I I mean, as the sun is rising, and these last few days have been just pristine, uh, crisp early mornings. And as the sun's rising, the pinks and the oranges shooting all over the place. And moments where you can go, wow, what a great creator, God. And and the depth and the intricacies of creation and and us as human beings living, what? How does this life, how is it held together in the the very presence of God holds us together? Colossians chapter 1 tells us, make sure that you understand this world not to be worshipped, but to be pointing one massive finger at God Almighty. We serve an amazing God, amen? Man, we need to worship him with all we have. And so this call, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, It was like a tennis match. One called to another. You know what I'm saying? And, well, that sounds a little boring. They just said the same thing over and over again. Have you ever seen something happen where you like repeated it twice? You know, you, you see somebody hit a home run in a baseball game when it really counts. You're like, dude, it was awesome. It was it was just awesome, I'm telling you, and, right? Like you repeat it twice. And, and that's, well, that's what happens when you see human things around you. Uh, it gets maybe two repeats. You know what I'm saying? 
And then you see the divine in all of his perfection. And you can't even believe there's something so beautiful and so glorious and so... And it gets repeated and repeated and it's still not enough. It's like you still haven't expressed what you're sensing that God is so great. And, and, and that's why they keep going and going and going. It's not out of boredom. It's not out of assignment. It's out of being stunned to the very core at God's greatness. And that's where we need to be. And how often is God, well, a lot less than that for us. And we're missing it and we're sidestepping it. And be careful. Uh, let God's glory overwhelm you. Hey, we got a job to do this morning. Uh, our job is going to be to bounce these words back and forth a little bit. All right? Let's make sure we participate in this. We'll just take the first phrase. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And we'll just split it in half. And we're going to do a little bit of a tennis match with this. All right? So you guys are going to start. And uh, I'm going to need all of you, these two sections, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Okay, give it to me. Ready? Here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now you guys. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Bring it again, bigger. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now everybody close your eyes. Just... Cast your gaze upward if you need to so the light's shooting in. Imagine you are in the throne room of the Almighty. You are stunned with His grandeur. The light is beaming forth. The sound is rumbling from the angels celebrating. And it's our job to join Him in worshiping our King. And let's do this one last time. So we'll start with the guys in front of me here. You might need to open your eyes so you know who I'm talking to. All right, here we go. Ready? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And now you guys on the left. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And back to the right. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And one more time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And to the right. And on, and on, and on, just trying to grasp how awesome he is. The angels worshiping Jesus Christ, our king, getting what he deserves. And it's our job to join him in that passionate worship every moment of every day. For the rest of eternity, may we recognize his grandeur. That's our job. It's, uh, it's easy to know facts. And it's easy to miss the big picture. And so, uh, all right, I'm going to throw in a different illustration here now than what I had planned. Uh, it's very contemporary and up to date. So yesterday... Uh, some of you know what I'm going to talk about. So yesterday, uh, well, shotgun season was this weekend. It's deer season this weekend. And so yesterday, my daughter Megan and I went out shotgun hunting. And uh, all morning we were out there. I mean, it was beautiful, great weather. And uh, oh yeah, we didn't see a deer. 
And uh, so we were out there all morning and we enjoyed it. It was a good time together. Loved having the family time and just sitting next to her. And, and uh, we had decided to go off to another property in the afternoon and uh, be able to actually see a deer. And uh, hey, it's one thing to know about deer. It's one thing to know about hunting. It's another to actually be in it and have it happen. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, so we got over to uh, Cindy Steen's place. And uh, Scott, you're the man. And uh, helped set us up and uh, got Megan in the right spot and uh, got her up in a tree stand, uh, 24 feet up in a tree stand. And uh, first time for her, so I dropped one of those safety lines down with a special knot on it. She could slide up so she was safe. You don't have to write me letters afterwards. All right. So she was safe. And uh, she was up there for several hours by herself uh, in that tree stand. And I was off in another part. And at the end of the day, Scott... Um, came around and just kind of helped push some deer past and uh, pushed a deer past like a buck wide. Does it keep getting wider, Scott? I think it does. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but a good wide buck and uh, ran underneath her and she was able to uh, make a great shot. And uh, hey, Megan got her first buck. And I'm telling you this, it was, yeah. Yeah. So uh, nothing like having a thousand people clap for you getting a buck, right? And uh, so, you know what, Megan got her first deer and uh, we ended up having to go out that night to get to retrieve it. It was right at dark and uh, it was Stephanie's birthday. Scott, what are you doing helping us on your wife's birthday? Great job. I appreciate that, Stephanie. Thanks for loaning him over. Uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, so they ran out. And uh, so in the meantime, uh, I had two friends jump in, Justin and Mark, and uh, we all went over and uh, tried to retrieve this deer late that night and got the deer out of there about 10 o'clock. And I'm telling you, it was a great moment for Megan. It was a great moment for the family, high-fiving around, almost better than, like, I'm telling you, I'm more hyped up than if I'd gotten it. And uh, there's a difference between talking about hunting and then hunting. There's a difference between talking about what a deer looks like and then having them there. There's a difference between being able to do and just knowing about. And, and be careful. Um, that's easy for us to get into a mindset of like, oh yeah, I know all about that, so I'm done. And uh, do you just know all about God? Or do you know Him? Do you just have some facts and some information and you can like chit chat and pass a quiz? Or are you awestruck by meeting Him in the very presence of Him? Do you understand how great He is because of personal experience? That's the call we have. To know him personally, to know him passionately, to be stunned by him, that God might get the greater glory. So here's my question. What do you need to do to start leaning in and experiencing him regularly? Uh, maybe you're spending time in the word and it's time to let that word become more real. Maybe you're not spending any time with him at all and it's time to start doing that. And Lord, I want to be stunned by you. I want to have a sense of your presence and I want you to move in my heart. Time for God to be passionately worshipped as you're truly in awe over who he is. That God might get the greater glory. All right? First step, true awe passionately worships. Number two, true awe results in conviction and cleansing by him. True awe results in conviction and cleansing by him. Uh, verse 4. It says, And the foundations of the thresholds shook 
at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Uh, the foundation of the threshold or the pillars of the entryway or the, the front doorway, however you want to say that, the whole front of the place was rocking, man. That's what he's saying. All right. Like as I'm walking up, I'm just hearing it thundering and moving and this. The whole thing was thundering and and it says, and the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. Like just the very voice of Jesus Christ thunders forth. And how often do we see the picture painted of Jesus um, where it looks like he needs sun. He's so anemic and he's so thin and frail. He must not have eaten for multiple 40 days at a time. And, and he has no power and authority. And he's sitting there with kind of this oily. He needs a shower and. Like, what's up with Jesus? And no, what's up with that painting? Like, we have a God with all authority. And when he speaks, he thunders the entryway. That's what's going on. That's our king. He rules the universe, our God. And, and, and as Jesus Christ speaks, he notes that everything is moving around him. And the house was filled with smoke. You know, there's a couple of things that could be going on here. One is uh, when smoke existed, it often indicated divine, that God was here. Uh, but more than that, it often indicates as well that uh, punishment uh, is coming. And Isaiah had a message to carry, and it wasn't a pretty one. Uh, the message that Isaiah was going to have to take to the nation was uh, doom and gloom. Like, you've got a problem going on between you and your king and God Almighty, and there's things that are going to happen because of it. And the smoke very well could have indicated the impending doom message as well. Uh, Isaiah had one response in the presence of the vastness of God and the power of the worship from the angels and the thundering of the place. And he responded, verse 5, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Uh, woe is me. Hey, we serve an awesome God, and it's, it's easy to celebrate Him, and it's easy to be uh, happy about seeing and knowing Him. But truly, if you've actually uh, understood and grasped who He is, there is a stirring within the soul of our imperfection and His great perfection. All right. And woe is me. Hey, he didn't just make those words up. Uh, look back in chapter five, chapter five. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Love to hear the pages, Russell. It, chapter five is right before six. Did you know that? That's a lot of pages rustling. All right. Chapter five, verse 11. Uh, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink. Woe to those who are all about the drinking, right? Verse 18. Uh, woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes, like for loving the unholiness. Uh, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Verse 21, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Verse 22, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men and mixing strong drink. Woe to those, woe to those. 
right? He's calling out, get it holy, people. And, and now he stands before God Almighty and he says, woe is me. Hey, it's not just you guys, it's me too. I recognize my imperfection in the midst. Woe is me, for I am lost. Uh, another way to say this, I am undone, right? That's one of the translations. And I love that variation, I am undone. Um, it's a way of pointing out that everything I thought I stood for doesn't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? I thought I had it together and now I don't get it. You know, we literally had somebody say to us this past week that uh, I, uh, my view towards God has been ruined since I came here. Because the stuff I used to do, I was comfortable with and now I'm not. And uh, I think praise God, right? Like that's who our God is. Don't be comfortable with sin before the almighty holy king. It needs to be addressed. Uh, for I am undone. I just wrote this down. All of my hopes were found woven in worthlessness. Uh, all of my passions were found centered in selfishness. All of my thoughts were found comparatively insignificant. All of me literally collapsed before all of you and your majesty. I am nothing and you are everything. That's what woe is me. I'm undone means it's the every aspect of me coming unglued before him he then says i'm a man of unclean lips uh, like the words he was speaking were not good uh, i don't know what he was saying that was wrong and was he was he having little temper tantrums about the nation and like those guys and what's the matter with them and, and, and so he's now gossiping and slandering and slamming or, or who knows what he was doing. But somehow he recognized that every word that was coming off of him somehow was steeped in selfishness and it needed to change. And, and remember, uh, your lips reflect what's inside, right? Out of the abundance of what does your mouth speak? Out of the abundance of the heart, right? And so when he says my lips were unclean, He's really saying, my heart's unclean and it's spilling out. Like everything from the outside in is a train wreck before you, Lord. I recognize I'm steeped in selfishness. And right now you might be sitting here going, wow, he must have been a really bad guy. No, he was actually a very, very uh, pure human being. And, and that's what we have to grab is as human beings, we all stand in the spot. In fact, Isaiah makes that clear next. He says... I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Like we all together as humanity run in selfishness and make repeated self-based mistakes and make it all about our king being set aside and us being lifted up. And Lord, please forgive me for what my heart spills out. And Lord, please forgive my nation. That's what Isaiah was saying. Uh, in part, he might have been saying, hey, the water's fine. Join me. You know, like, hey, we all together are in this. But what a recognition of where he stands before his king. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I love this statement. It does not say, woe is me. My lips are unclean because you have pointed out my every sin and you have 
pushed down on me until I broke and you have, that's not what he said at all. He said, look, I recognize my sin and I confess it. Why? Because not that I've beheld my own unholiness. Instead, it's because I beheld your holiness just by seeing you. I moved and I now get the picture of what holiness is and what purity is. And God, I want you worshiped in my life and may you be celebrated, Lord, the Lord of hosts, my king. He was convicted. Verse six, then one of the seraphim flew to me using two of the wings, right? The other four were still on their other function. Uh, having in his hand a burning coal. A little bit of a play on words here. The word seraphim means burning one or fiery one. And then burning coal has that word seraph in it. Uh, so the seraphim is bringing the burning coal, right? The burning one is bringing the burning coal. And, and so God is making a statement here that these guys have purpose to protect his holiness. Notice what he does. It's not of his own Energy. It's not of his own strength that he does anything. It says that he had taken this burning coal. He had taken with tongs from the altar. Jesus Christ provided this burning coal to cleanse his lips. It says, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Listen, when we meet with God... He doesn't just convict us of sin. He provides for cleansing. And Isaiah was getting an early glimpse of the salvation we can have through Jesus Christ. All right. Jesus was showing that from his altar will come cleansing. And that from what I provide, you can be healed. And what a glorious moment of statement for both Isaiah and the nation of Israel. That there is truly salvation in Jesus Christ and none other. We serve an amazing king. And we have a great privilege to be able to have him change us from the inside out. You know, this past week was a huge week of conviction and cleansing. We talked about 43 people who... Uh, accepted Christ and are on a journey and um, there was one woman who uh, posted on our Facebook uh, my son was on the fence about his faith he accepted the Lord last night at the senior high gathering that was Sunday night that was the grand opening for the high school he accepted the Lord last night at the senior high gathering and my girlfriend that I brought to church yesterday she also accepted Christ I am so blessed like God moved in this place. There was conviction. There was cleansing through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and our leaning upon him. Uh, I met a woman on Wednesday night who was introduced to me and we were just talking a little bit. And she said, wow, what a week of firsts. And I said, really, what do you mean? And she goes, well, this is my first week at Harvest Bible Chapel. And uh, I said, well, welcome. Good deal. And, and so what do you think? And we talked through a little bit and, and she said, but more than that, um, it was my first week at a church ever, ever. Uh, more than that, I accepted Christ on Sunday. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we serve a huge God who moves 
He convicts and he cleanses and he stirs and he's got nothing better in mind than what's best for us as we now turn and worship him with all we've got. You were created to worship. Did you know that? Designed for it. Never happy until you're doing it all out just the way he designed. I'm telling you, resist the worship and it goes awry. Turn the worship into some lesser thing being worshipped and it will not satisfy. You have been designed to worship the king with all you have. And he provides all that's needed to bring you to that point. Lean on your king. Let him convict and let him cleanse. Like never before. What a great privilege we have. That same woman who accepted Christ, uh, her son and daughter also accepted Christ that week. And uh, first week for them at church as well. And uh, the boy ran up to Kevin and was telling him what was going on and asking next steps. And just so cool to hear what God's doing right here. Hey, are you ready to let God do that in your life? I mean, right now. I'm done battling. Lord, I want to recognize everything that needs to go. And may you provide everything I need that I can drop at your feet and worship you for eternity. What needs to go? What sin is there that's devastating you personally? Or maybe it's devastating your family. And today's the day to be done. It's stirring in your home such an unrest or maybe in the school. What needs to go today? Let God have his way with your heart that your king might be glorified. All right? Hand it over to him. So first is passionate worship. That's what true awe is. Second is conviction and cleansing. And third, true awe results in sold out willingness to serve him. True awe results in sold-out willingness to serve Him. Sold-out willingness to serve Him. All right, I'm doing it again for the second week in a row. I'm busting over one of those paragraph connections. Notice how there's two bolds, and I'm going one verse longer. Uh, just got to in this one as well, all right? And uh, listen to verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Let's break this down real quickly. The proper response in worship once you've met with God personally. It says, and I heard the voice of the Lord. Remember, this is that same voice that thundered and the place rocked, fully thundering. Jesus Christ crying out. Notice what he says. Whom shall I send? Right? Jesus Christ saying, who am I going to send? And now notice this, and who will go for us, right? This is the Trinity at hand. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, Jesus Christ speaking forth and saying, it is time for someone to go forth, speaking the word of God almighty. Who is going to go out? Who should I send? Who's going to go for us? God being represented. This cry is a cry that. All of us should be hearing. It's a cry and a call to get involved with protecting his holiness and with sharing forth the greatness of our king. And it demands of us an immediate response. Notice it does not say, then I said, can I sleep on it? 
or then I said, if you don't have anybody else and then, then sure, I guess if you want me, then okay. And I am kind of busy on Tuesday though. So, right. It doesn't say that. Right. Then I said, here am I send me right in the Hebrew. It's two words only. That's it. In the first word, Hineni, it means, well, behold, I'm right here. It's a word that's used often throughout the Old Testament. If you see the word behold, uh, you're probably seeing the word Hineni as it's moved throughout. It's saying, look right here. Uh, so if you walked in a room and you were like calling out your spouse, you know, I'm like, Jana, uh, appropriate answer in the Hebrew would be, here am I. Like, all right, I hear you. What do you want done? And uh, so his proper response to the king was, behold, I'm standing right before you. What do you want? And, and I got to tell you, I, I don't think he was looking down. I don't think he was doing this. I'm here. What do you want? Like, that's not it. Riveted on the throne. Riveted to the call. And he said, I'm right here. And, and send me to do what? I have no idea. Just a second. I'm right here. Send me. Right? See? He didn't even get told yet what he's supposed to do. Just, I, I need somebody. I'm stunned with who you are. I, I'm in awe of your greatness. Anything you want. I'm going where you want me, king. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? Hey, that needs to be our response. All in. Reacting to just what he calls you to right in the moment. I can tell you, I remember exactly when I went all in with Christ. I was following him. I was trusting him. But I remember when I said, here am I, send me. And unfortunately, it wasn't all that long ago. 2004, and uh, my wife and I were wrestling through seminary and pastoring. And what does that look like? And uh, I was up at Harvest Naperville just attending there. And... Um, Went to the senior pastor and sat down with him and said, how do I uh, go about moving out of the business world and into pastoring? And what's that look like? And we talked for a little bit. And within a few minutes, he said, well, I've got the better answer. Instead of me giving you words, uh, why don't you come on staff part time? And uh, I know you got a job in engineering and I know you're going to school and you know you got a family, but why don't you come on part time? And I was like, yeah, that's not why I came to talk to you. I'm not looking for a job. I was looking for advice. And, uh, um, and I stopped eating. Like I, I couldn't eat anything else. And it took like three weeks uh, for me to finally make a decision along with Jonna that, that we were going to go after this. And, you know, I was being pragmatic. That's a lot of load. I, I got some long hours. I mean, we had just laid tons of people off at the corporation I was at. And I was working 70, 80 hour weeks and doing seminary every Monday. And, and now I'm going to start doing... I'm trying to be practical and, and, but God was tugging at me saying, you need to step out on this. I'm going to show you my hand like you've never seen before. Step out. And, uh, in that moment that we made the decision, I can tell you we went all in. And how do I know? Because a year later when they offered a full-time job and dropped the engineering, we need a pastor and we're ready. If you want to come on full-time, it took us like two minutes. Hang on. I got to talk to my wife. Talk to her. What do you think? We're in. I'm in. Let's go. Bang. And, and that was it. 
I'm telling you, it was so exciting to be in. And hey, that's stepping into full-time vocational ministry. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm not saying everybody has to step into that, right? We're not saying that at all. And But what's God calling you today to be ready and willing to do? Like, Lord, who? Who do you want me to talk to? Or, or when, Lord, when do you want me to be serving at this church and in what way that you might get the greater glory? And maybe you want me to do something with my job and switch, Lord. What does that look like? And or Lord, what do you want me doing with my family that they start growing in you all the more? And here am I. Send me. Get ready. God's calling you to something. And I don't know what it is. You might. You might be sinking deeper in your chair right now. <laughs> Going, I know. I've been hearing it for a while. And answer that call. There's nothing sweeter and nothing more powerful than being right where you know God wants you right in the moment. Available to serve in your neighborhood, available to care for a neighbor in their need, available to reach out to someone just at the moment where God makes it clear to you. What a great privilege. We have it all over this place and uh, it's going on right now. Join in. God's got something mighty for you at hand. Worship him and his holiness. Be stunned by him. Be convicted and cleansed. And then turn holding your hands outward and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. To what and to where, God will make it clear. Just be ready and be willing. It's not, okay, God, you got 30 seconds. Tell me what you want and I'll see if I want in on that. That's not ready. It's okay, Lord. I don't know what you're calling me to, but I'm in and I'll figure it out along the way. And, and I'll pray with pastors if I need to, and I'll work with uh, anybody that I need to along the way to be growing in it. But Lord, I'm in. So the simple question, are you in? Are you in with him? It's time to make that commitment here and don't leave without it. Hey, we have a chance for all of eternity to be worshiping the worthy lamb. To be celebrating the one who is holy. To be ushered into his throne room for all of eternity. That our king might be glorified. That's where we're headed. And so let's start today. Amen. May God be glorified as we're in awe of his holiness. Let's pray.